Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you ready for the Bible? All right, John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, by the way, this is Jesus speaking, I have come that they may have what? Life and have it to the full. There's a bad devil, there's a good God, and we serve a good God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship you together as a family and to honor you, Lord God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are our hero in this place. We give you our adoration. We give you our love and our commitment. And we say, Lord, you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of all of us. Today, we give our attention to you and to your word. We thank you for the authority and the power that is in your word. I pray that your word would be like fresh bread in this place today, Lord. Father, that as we break your word, God, that we will just receive it in our souls and receive it in our spirit. God, that it would be life to us. And Lord, I just really believe that you're able to speak to every one of us, even as you speak to all of us corporately. So Lord, our ears are open. Our hearts are hungry, God, to hear from you. And so Lord, give us your word. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit, God, to share what's in your heart. We love you. We worship you, Jesus. You are my hero. We love you. Amen. So I want to take you to an Old Testament scripture today. Um, It's Isaiah 61, and uh, it was written hundreds of years before Jesus came, and it prophesied the coming of the Messiah and the work, the, the benefit of the work that he would do. And so we're going to open up with Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 1 and 2. And I got to tell you today, I'm in like a bit of a teachy mode today. And so just kind of go with me today because I, I just want to really break this scripture down uh, for us and kind of get into it because there's a lot of richness in it. It's almost like, um, you know, uh, uh, chewing on, what, what is that uh, dried uh, meat? When you, uh, jerky. We're just going to like chew on some jerky, right? That's a good Goochlin uh, concept for us, right? Whether it's your deer jerky, your bear jerky, your, whatever your jerky is. Um, some of y'all are just grossed out by jerky altogether, so I'll move on. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. We're going to pick up on that some more in a little bit. I'm amazed as we dig into this scripture about the the specificity and the accuracy in which it depicts the work of Jesus. In Isaiah 61 verse 1, again, written hundreds of years before Jesus came to the planet, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. It says the spirit... Is on me. And you know, in Luke, it records in chapter 3 that the Holy Spirit came on Jesus as if a dove when he was baptized in water. It says in that, that phrase in verse 1 the Spirit of the 
sovereign Lord. And that phrase, the sovereign Lord, you don't see that all the time in Scripture. It's the name that you would use to describe God and how powerful he is. And it's, it's the way that you would describe that God is sometimes just irresistible. There are some things that God has determined to do that nothing can, can um, thwart his will. Like his decision to send Jesus, like nothing was getting in the way of that plan. His decision to create salvation and a plan of salvation, nothing was going to get in the way of that. His decision to, to have heaven and to have those of us who would receive Jesus be able to come to heaven, nothing was going to get in the way of the sovereign Lord's plan to make that happen. It says that, it says in the scripture, it says the Lord is the anointed one, referring to Jesus. There's so much in this because anointed one, that phrase is the same uh, phrase that means uh, Messiah. They're interchangeable, right? And um, to the Jewish hearer, when they hear the word Messiah or anointed one, they think king because there's only two positions that were anointed like that, king and priest. And when it comes to leading God's people in this way, they're thinking God is going to bring us a Messiah, a king, and we did receive a king, didn't we? We just happened to receive the king of kings, right? And so this Jesus was anointed and sent, and it was what the sovereign Lord, his irresistible act, that Jesus would come and accomplish his task. And then there's this like, there's this series of these two statements. And I, I just I was talking about it in our Bible study this morning. Like, I love it when scripture has like this almost like limericky rhythm. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's just like this beauty and power in the words. And so let, let God's word just kind of like wash over you as I'm reading this in Isaiah 61. It says, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Two, proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Two, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and day of vengeance of our God. Two, comfort all who mourn, come on, and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Two, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise, come on church, come on, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. I want to dig into these, script, these, these verses to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So Israel knew all about what it was to be a captive. In their early history, they were captive to Egypt and they were slaves in Egypt. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and he, and he makes this call, let my people go. And God is bringing God's people out of slavery they were captive to so many enemies in the book of, of Judges, up and down as they would serve God, and then um, they would backslide. And after this book of Isaiah, the, there would be a Babylonian captivity where an entire uh, empire would come in and take over and take Daniel and his friends and, into captivity. And then the Assyrian captivity would be, out, be after that. And there'd be captivity after captivity after captivity. But ultimately, this is not the captivity, the ultimate captivity that God was concerned about. What he was concerned about, Jesus uh, would take this on himself and he, he would declare that Jesus himself was the fulfillment of this prophecy. He was in a synagogue in the New Testament and he picks up a scroll one day. This, is, this happened in Luke chapter 4. He picks up a scroll. We're going to read it a little bit later. Not the actual scroll, but in scripture. And uh, 
He starts reading Isaiah 61. The Lord has anointed me, right? And he starts reading this, and he proclaims to them that day, this scripture that I'm reading is fulfilled in your presence right now, in your hearing today. And rather than rejoice, the people get angry at him and they they think he's performing blasphemy and they take Jesus to a cliff. They're ready to push the Son of God off a cliff. And Jesus walks through the crowd because it wasn't his time. Because they they had a a picture in their mind of what their Savior, what their Messiah, what their King was going to do. And Jesus, his fulfillment was different than what they expected. Have you ever had God do something different than what you were expecting? Have you ever given him like, you pull up to the drive-thru and you're like, yeah, I'd like this, this, and please supersize that. And the Lord's like, (laughs) right, like that's how it works. Now don't get me wrong, we get to pray and we get to ask and we get to seek. And the good things are for his kingdom, amen? But he, he is not our short order cook. And And sometimes our perspective of what we need freed from, he has something that's a little higher, right? And when you look at Egypt and when you look at Babylon and you look at these captivities, the reason that they slept into these captivities is because the people were in sin. Man, it got quiet in this church. Let me me rewind. Let me do that again. They were in in captivity in Egypt. They were in captivity in Babylon. And the reason they were in captivity was because of sin, right? And so God wanted to go and heal the actual problem, which was the sin in their heart, and to free them from the power of sin. And this scripture actually illuminates that. Um, Later on in verse 10, it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of what church? salvation. And he's arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Jesus has clothed, is clothed with salvation and has a robe of righteousness and he came to provide us with garments of salvation and a robe of righteousness. Y'all, that is good news. He came to proclaim freedom Freedom from captivity of the kingdom of the devil. You know, you know the, the, the people, they knew in the natural what it was to be captive to Egypt. And that was important. I don't want to completely diminish it because God did save them from that captivity. But he was playing a much longer game at the same point. Going to the issue in our heart, which is that he would save us from our sin and from the, the captivity of the enemy's kingdom and save us from the, pro, the, the power of sin. And you see... Jesus, when he comes and he brings this salvation, there is this divine exchange that happens. He takes us from death and he brings us over to life. He takes us from defeat and he brings us into victory. That's why I opened up with that scripture in John 10, 10, where it says the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all he does. That's his motive. That's his MO. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Can I tell you where the challenge comes in this scripture? We read this scripture, and, and like as Christians and as believers, like we love this scripture, amen? Because it, it makes it really simple. There's a bad devil, and he's got bad intent for me and for my family. There is a good God, and he has good intent for me and my family, amen? The challenge for us is sometimes what we want to do is we want to remain in control 
and join God's kingdom at the same time. Right? Like, I, I, want to, I want to, like, I want what I want, but I also want you. And we get into that, and that's where we get wrapped around the axle. But when you trust that he loves you completely, and you trust that he has a good plan for you, and you trust that when he says no, and when he says yes, that it's for the good of the kingdom and the good of you, all of a sudden the abandonment of, you know what, I'll die to myself daily to follow you, all of a sudden becomes easier because he's worthy of our worship and worthy to be followed. Amen? And there's something in us that just goes, I I just want to be with you. Like all the stuff that I thought I cared about, I don't care about because I just really want to follow you and I want to know you. Let's return to those two statements. He was sent to, because what I wanted to do is help us to know, first of all, that the context of salvation is what he has come to provide us, amen? The main thing that we needed was we needed to be able to give our hearts and our lives back to God and to leave sin and just know what it is to serve him in freedom and in truth. Amen? Just It's just that simple, it's that pure, it's that clean. Going back to those two conversations and this divine exchange, he came to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You know, this good news is pretty, a pretty cool phrase because that good news is the same phrase as gospel. Gospel is our English word that we use, but if we were actually in the New Testament, you see the word gospel a lot, right? If we were actually to translate that, those Greek words into actual regular English words, every time you saw the word gospel, it would say good news. But we use this phrase gospel because it's a good Christianese word, right? And that kind of thing. And it is good news, amen? that Jesus came and that he provided for our sin and that he has this life that, that he has planned for us and this plan and this purpose for us, right? So it is good news. And so it says that he came to proclaim the gospel. He came to, he came to proclaim the good news. And the reality is when it comes to, when it says to the poor, when we think of ourselves in our, in our state of where we are with God, we're all poor without God. Does that make sense? Jesus talked about being poor in spirit, right? It's this idea that like we have a need that we do not have the ability to fulfill, but God has good news for the poor. And he sent me, it says about Jesus, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now y'all, what is it that sin and what is it that destruction and the enemy's uh, camp, what does that bring into our lives? we end up being brokenhearted. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I tried that route. I, try, I tried hard. I mean, I was, I, I was pretty good at sinning. Um, my parents aren't here to tell you anymore, but I can, my brother's here. He can vouch for you. Don't listen to his stories, though. Yeah, he's too eager to tell you um, how good I was at it. But I think all of us, like, what was the real fruit of it? In the beginning, it's, it, it's something that we like right? But in the end, it bites. In the end, it hurts us. But it doesn't just hurt us. It hurts people that we really love. And so he brought good news to the poor to proclaim freedom for the captives. Now, we have a little bit of context for that now, right? Freedom from the, the captives. We're free 
from the authority of the enemy. We're free from the power of sin. We no longer have to sin, and we're no longer bound to sin. And if you want to read more about that, start reading in in Romans about 6, and just go 6, 7, 8, and read about that. It's a beautiful thing of of, of the gospel. And I'm just going to take a moment here. Because I... um, when I've shared about Jesus with strangers and things like that, and I've said, have you ever heard the gospel or the good news? Like, and they look at me like a cow looking at a new gate, like, ah, I don't know what you're talking about. So, no, 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 it's okay. Because I'm not trying to make people feel dumb. I'm like, I want to offer to just share it with you. And so I, I remember recently, a couple months ago, I shared it um, a few months ago with somebody. And I said, really simply, if I were just to put it just like plainly, you know, Adam and Eve came and they, they decided they did not want to follow God, and so they disobeyed him. And um, all of us, you know, had this issue of sin that we could not make ourselves good enough. And we had this period in the Old Testament, in the Scripture before Jesus came, where God gave them a law, and he said, okay, here's a good law with good rules. Now, go ahead, try to be good. Go for it. And what people realized was that they couldn't overcome their, their badness on their own. They were powerless to be good enough. We can't make ourselves good enough. Amen? If you think you can make yourself good enough, well, you're lying. (laughs) Because really it's... And so what happened was is Jesus came and not only did he pay our sin, but he broke the power of sin. He broke the power of it in our lives so that as believers, when we receive Jesus and been born again and said, God, I want to follow you. I want to know you. Um, his Holy Spirit comes in our life, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to resist sin. Now, if you go, but I still get tempted, Pastor Mike. Yeah, you're in, the, in a safe room with a lot of people who get tempted, right? Because your, your sinful nature wants to make a resurrection, but we just keep pounding it, you know, like, get down there, right? Um, and say, no, you don't get to live. The, the spirit man gets to live. And, and, and it's so important that we understand the good news that way, because it's not that you and I can be good enough in our own strength. Now, your will matters, and you want, you want to cooperate with the Lord. Amen? But you, we can't do this on our own. And that's why it's good news and that he's proclaiming this freedom for captivities and a release from darkness for the prisoners. And then Jesus says this next two statement. He says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Isaiah goes on and says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Here's what's fascinating. When you go to Luke, and you remember when I was telling you, he opens up the scroll, and he's reading in the scroll. Y'all remember that? This is what happens. It says Jesus was in the synagogue. He reads this portion of Scripture, and in that portion of Scripture, it says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. And then he goes on, and he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and he just stops. He only reads half the verse. Because the next part of the verse is, in the day of vengeance of our God. He doesn't say it. He just stops, rolls up the scripture, and he says, this is fulfilled in your hearing today. And that was because this scripture is about Jesus, our Messiah, coming. And when he was coming in his first coming, you all say first coming? In his first coming, he came to provide salvation and preach good news and this opportunity. It's the age of the church where we have this privilege of being able to share this good news with other people. We are still, y'all, in the year of favor of the Lord because people are still coming to Jesus and able to give their lives over to Jesus. Amen? So we're still in that. And that's why Jesus, he rolls it up because 
the next verse, the next part of that verse, the day of vengeance of our God, that's the second coming. It isn't also interesting. The year of favor, the day of vengeance. It even says something about the nature of God, right? And I'm really thankful that we are in this era where he is still freeing captives. Come on, he is still freeing captives. Now, I realize it takes some humility on us, on our part to realize, to say that I need to be freed. Like, you know, sometimes there's pride in us that goes, well, you know, I thought I was, I thought I was doing pretty good, think, doing pretty right. I, and maybe you're doing great, but I don't know about you, but for me, to keep myself in check, it's important to me to know I need to lean in. I can't do it in my own strength. I don't want to do it in my own strength. I want to not only have experienced this freedom, but I want to continue to experience this freedom. I want to push in and I want to have more of the freedom that he has for me, more of, of, of what he has, has pr- provided for me. He goes on and he says, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion. There's, there's first like the, like what is the scripture talking about when it says to comfort all who mourn? And, and first, in context with the fact that Jesus is providing salvation, that mourning has to do with the mourning that comes from what has happened with sin all around us, right? And to provide for those who grieve because of what sin has created all around us. Now, does that, can you also apply that to if you are heavy? And if you are going through some things and maybe depression and heaviness, absolutely, you take this verse and you apply it to you because he's comforting all who mourn, amen? And there, he has a provision for those who mourn. Aren't you thankful that you don't serve a God who says, well, you just stay sorry long enough. You just stay mourning long enough. I'll come get you out of time out when it's time. Like that's not his nature. What I love about God is he will tell me the truth, but he always loves me. Come on. He'll tell me the truth, but he always loves me. And the thing is, is I've just come to this place where I trust that his, what his truth is, is that it's actually good for me. Like I want to embrace him and who he is in his nature. And so then it goes on, and I love this. This is probably one of my favorite parts of the scripture. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. So when they mourned, they would take ashes and put it on their head. And he's saying, we're going to take the ashes off your head and I'm going to put a crown of beauty on your head. Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful picture? Crown of beauty instead of ashes. And we sang that song again. You're beautiful. I love, you know, last time when we sang it, Matt just kind of addressed the, the elephant in the room. Fellas, telling God he's beautiful may not feel natural, but he is. I'm totally paraphrasing, and he's not in the room, so I can do it however I, I want. But so good, amen? Like, I am not, I, I'm man enough to tell God he's beautiful. Man enough to tell him that, God, you are remarkable, amazing, beautiful. Everything that is good comes from you. And I'm proud to say it as a man. I'm proud to sing it as a man. 
the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Y'all, you know, just depression and anxiety in our, is, is so rampant in our community, in, our, in the world around us. And um, I want you to know God cares. He really, really does care. And he doesn't just have a solution for you. He has solutions for you. One of the solutions that he has for you is this garment of praise. And a garment of praise starts with, um, with thankfulness and thanking him for what he has done. There's something, uh, you, you literally, you know, enter into another dimension, the dimensions of like of the heavenly things when you begin to praise him and his, his praise and his uh, presence inhabits the praises of his people. Like there's something that shifts and something that changes. And, you know, today, you know, at the end of service, I, I want to pray for those who are going through mourning, going through heaviness, that are going through that, 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 that tough stuff because God has provision for you. He has an oil of joy. And you go, how can I have joy in the midst of what I am facing? And I'm telling you, it's not something you receive here. It's something you receive here. It's something that you can receive from the Lord, that kind of peace and that kind of joy that isn't just based on circumstance. It's based on who you have, not just the atmosphere that's around you. Remember the picture of Jesus when he's sleeping in the boat in the middle of the storm and all of the disciples are, we're going to die, we're going to die. And Jesus, (laughs) and they're like, what is it? Wake up, we're going to die, right? That's a picture for us that sometimes the temperature of what's going on, God has something that he would like to change the thermostat in your soul too. But we got to draw to him and allow him to do it. And I, I don't want it to sound like the mourning that you're going through, the anxiety that you're going through, that what you're going through doesn't matter, that it isn't real. I'm not trying to diminish the reality of it all. But I do want to say there is provision for you because he came to give life. His purpose for you is to give you life. And, and um, there is places for mourning, but depression has got to go, right? That kind of hopelessness is not from the Lord. God is not trying to teach you through hopelessness. He is the one who gives us hope, right? Good God, bad devil. It's, we, don't have, let's, we won't complicate it. But it doesn't mean that you shame yourself because you're in mourning or shame yourself in depression or shame yourself because you're heavy. No, no, you draw to him. You draw to him because he has something real for you. You know, this is, this is good news indeed. The gospel of what Jesus came to provide. And, you know, and I've got to tell you, like when I was preparing this, I said, Lord, you know, I just... All I'm hearing you say is just teach this scripture and just just teach it and just share it. But I want you to know today that wherever you are, if you are far from Jesus, this scripture is for you because he wants you to know that he has come with, and the good news is to provide freedom for the captives. And if you're not ready to be free, he's not going to force you to be free. But when you're ready to be free, he's here for you and he will free you from the captives. The captivity of of life without him. If you're a believer today and you go, man, 
the heaviness, the despair, and some of the things like, I'm really facing those things. I want you to know that he has joy for you and he has a garment of praise for you. He has a divine exchange for you. Uh, He's not going to rough you up over it, but you come to him and you draw from him and you say, God, that is what I need. And we put our focus and our heart on him and he has this exchange for you today. He cares about what you're walking through. He sees what you're walking through. He may not be the drive-up genie, but he is your God. And he does care. And he does provide. He has not established a kingdom of depression. I'm not saying that to shame anyone. I'm saying that to give you hope. He's not establishing a kingdom of anxiety. He's establishing a kingdom full of praise. A kingdom where there's worship. A kingdom where we hallow his name. A kingdom where we say, how great is our God? How magnificent is our God? Would you stand with me? A kingdom where where we just say, God, you are worthy. I want to tell you, for some of us, the answer to what you're walking through is absolutely praise. Because praise will break darkness. And praise will just, will break heaviness. And so, will you just take a moment as we're, as we're um, here right now, and would you just thank him for where, right, for, for something in your life? Would you just take a moment? If you need to close your eyes to forget about someone around you, go for it. Um, but just take a moment and just, um, just praise him just thank him today. Lord, we worship you in this place today. Lord, we glorify your name in this place today. We say, God, you are worthy of our praise and worthy of our love. And I thank you, Lord, that the garment of despair is not what you have for us today. But God, that there is a freedom and there is a peace. God, there are people who are walking through some of the hardest times of their lives in this place today. And God, I thank you that you care about them. Lord, come in the midst of this place. Lord, come and bring and take the heavy yoke off. Take the heavy garment off. And Lord, I just pray that you wrap us in garments of salvation. Lord, wrap us with a garment of praise. Lord, may we with our own voice worship you and honor you and glorify you and thank you for who you are today. May our hearts praise the Lord. May our hearts honor the Lord. May our hearts receive what you have for us today. God, you're worthy of our praise today. You're worthy of our praise today. For some of us, it's breaking the barrier with your own voice. Just speaking out to the Lord today. You're worthy today, God. You're holy today, God. Lord, we love you and we trust you today, Jesus. You're worthy to be trusted, worthy to be worshipped. And we love you in this place. You are glorious and you are magnificent today, Lord God. And I just thank you, Lord, for giving people in this room today keys, Lord Jesus. Keys to break the heaviness. Keys, Lord Jesus, to break the anxiety. Keys to bring freedom to the captives. You have not called us to live in captivity, but you have called us into true freedom in you, Lord Jesus. And we say today proudly, we were the captives, Lord, but you are setting the captives free. Lord, we were the captives, Lord, but you are setting the captives free. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for comforting 
those who mourn today. We thank you, Lord, for the oil of gladness, for the spirit of despair. We thank you, Lord, for this exchange, Lord Jesus, that is happening. And Lord, we give you the thing that is heavy to us and we receive the good thing that you have for us in this place today. God, today, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We honor you today, God. We honor you today, God. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. God, we love you in this place. And Lord, today I I pray for those, God, today who would say, maybe it's for others, but I'm not sure it's for me. Lord, I just ask you to dissolve that lie. That lie is as thin as paper, Lord. It's just not the truth. Let that veil fall off in the name of Jesus. If you are hearing this, it is for you. The Lord is sending the message for you. He has not called you to despair. He has not called you to depression. He has called you to life and life to the full. Oh, Jesus, come. Jesus, come with your presence. Oh, come with your sweet presence, Lord. We love you. We love you today. Fill your house with your worship, with your praise. Oh, how we love you. We love you. I'm I'm about to dismiss us, but Um, Please hear me. There are some folks that God is doing something really serious in you right now, and you can feel it. And as I pray to dismiss, what I want you to do is, instead of just kind of like gathering yourself, slip up here and either just pray or have someone pray with you. Because you feel something happening. You feel like something is happening, but it's not quite done. Don't rush out of the room. Just come and receive some prayer or just come and, and, and take a posture of prayer. Father, we love you. You're so good. You're so good. Lord, I thank you for your word that penetrates our hearts. And God, my heart is especially for the person who feels like it's not for them. God, that breaks my heart. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for letting the waters of faith rise. Letting the barriers in our heart fall. Thank you for hope. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, God, that you're so good. We love you and we worship you in this place. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. 
If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.